Adaptable Project is here to help, educate and inspire Aussie blokes to reclaim their physical and mental strength. This is the Dad Bod Project. The Dad Bod Project. Dad Bod Project podcast, where we're with the founder of School of Attraction, Damien Deka, who's an online dating coach, a dating coach. So we're really excited to find out, uh, get, get some tips and tricks and hacks around online dating and dating in general. And we're also going to touch on what Damien calls the male self-esteem epidemic, which is very much on brand for what we talk about for the Dad Bod Project. And given that he deals with a lot of blokes and some blokes who are probably struggling a bit, then we're really looking forward to his take. Damien, welcome. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me aboard. I'm very excited. I'm going to I'm going to take a lot of notes here myself. I think, mate. We've got a note too that we are recording this in isolation. We are at the time of recording, we're still in lockdown in Melbourne, so we're not as high tech as we normally would be. But uh, so, if I'm sure the audio and everything will be fine, but that's just something to keep in mind. All right, let's start with online dating. And I know that there's a lot of guys listening to this that mightn't even be on it or going to be on it, but will still listen with curiosity. And I was one of those guys. It was a planet that I knew existed, but didn't certainly didn't know anything about. So Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, are, are they the top three? Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely, especially in Australia, they're the top three. But most countries in the world, between one of those three apps, they're the predominant one in your country. Okay. And can you just quickly take us through what the, you know, what those, uh, I guess, the different brands and templates that each of those offer? Yeah. I mean, look, they're all, they're all, built around the same idea of swiping left or right, yes or no. So you're going through photos of men or women, depending on your preference, and you're saying yes or yay or nay, I, I do or don't like this person. They're the stereotype swiping apps. And um, they're different. They're, each one is possessioned a little bit differently. So Tinder uh, Tinder has the reputation. It's trying to change it, and it has been for years and never has, of being the more hookup app of the three. Um, wow. So as a result, Tinder is the most casual dating focused, or at least that's the end point. Bumble came up and said, well, look, you know what? Women have a lot of frustration with men on online dating. Let's create an app where women get the power, women get control. So women get to make the first move. That would be empowering women to take control of their dating lives. So that was was Bumble's um, idea that it had going on. Hinge is a little bit different. Hinge... it basically gets you to say it to it promotes you to give answers to interesting questions that it, that it um, throws up for you. So, I think Hinge pushes people to give a little bit more interesting uh, bios on their profiles instead of "Hey, I'm Bob and I like you know corn and riding on the beach." Um, so they're a little bit more interesting, and they tend to target a slightly older demo. So, so Hinge tends to be great once you get above thirty plus. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So there's certainly overlap there. And without being too yep. crass about it, you might get a one-night stand route on Hinge and you also might meet your wife on Tinder. But by and large, that's sort of where they sit in between. I actually have a mate that um, is married now, thanks to Tinder, one, one super like, and now they have children. So it, it is possible. <laughs> I just want to talk about them. There appear to be sort of a series of steps in online dating and each of those have their own set of sub-skills and ideal procedures between creating a little profile, the art of the message, which is, you know, really important, and then then getting on the date and then the date itself. And I'm guessing you've got a, a bunch of clients that might be really good in one area but then need assistance, you know, that are getting it wrong in others, yeah? 100%. 100%. So, I mean, online dating has really become an exercise in marketing. 
how good are you at marketing the product, which is you? You know, so yeah. how good are the, the product photos? How good, how, what are the product photos make the client, the target market feel? You know, and the message that you put that accompanies those photos, does that, is that, is that a continuous uh, message that's being brought across or is that a contrast and that confuses people? And really, it's a lot of the same rules that you play when you're, when you're putting on an online ad that I might as a company. And that's very different from the dating lot, like what you experience when you're out and you're dating, you know? Um, and so that also means that it, there's certain things that would work if I meet a woman in a bar. There's certain things that are the same, but there's, there's things that are different as well. So a guy who would be really chatty in real life might struggle to bring across humor and, and banter in text and vice versa. You get guys who are great in text mm. and they meet in person. It's, it's awkward. It's like crickets chirping in the background, you know? Yeah. Okay. Is, I mean, you said real-world dating. Is real-world dating still a thing? Well, I mean, with lockdowns, is less of a thing <laughs> than it once yeah. was. Uh, but people are meeting people in, in, in everyday life for sure, uh, you know, where lockdowns are permitting. I live in Queensland at the moment. That makes my life a lot easier than it has, you know, most of the world. Um, but, yeah, it is still a thing. But because of COVID and all the insanity that's been going on, the, the numbers who have been engaging with online dating has just gone through the roof. Right. Tell me, are the, are the guys that are doing well... <laughs> It seems like anecdotally for me, the guys that are doing well online are also the guys that are doing well in the nightclubs, right? Uh, and it's not just because they're good-looking roosters necessarily. They read a room very well in terms of whether that be in face or a text or whatever, they're confident operators. Is that is that right? Yes, uh, there's definite crossover uh, because I think that if you if you already have an idea, if you're what you're already doing is a template for what's working, and and you know even guys who are necessarily doing well with women don't always know exactly what they're doing that works. They just tend to do what has always worked <laughs> and it seems to work yeah. online, right? If it um, yeah, exactly. And But that isn't all guys. There are certainly guys who do really well online who don't do well in real life. And they tend to be the guys who are have plenty going for them, but they're not super confident in large social scenes. So if you're a slightly introverted guy who's still pretty social and has a good sense of humor and you know, you're okay looking, these guys are going to do better on online dating than they would have in a nightclub bar scene. Sure. Yeah, and they also, you know, may have. I mean, I guess it's the same for everyone. Have, you know, particularly good, well put together profiles. Uh, and like you say, maybe really good at messaging, but just not overly confident in the outside world. So yeah, no, it's all very interesting. I want to ask you about older guys. A lot of the guys on this, um, as far as the Dadbod Project guys, are guys in the thirties and forties and beyond. Yeah. Are the rules different for those blokes? Yes. I mean, the experience, especially when we're talking just about online dating the experience changes. So once you hit 35, your match rate drops on those apps right. specifically. Okay. Um, Hinge being the least impacted, um, Tinder being the most impacted across that spectrum. Once you hit 40, it's another big dip down again. The reason right. being when an app, uh, when a girl signs up, woman signs up for a, a dating app, she has to arbitrarily pick an age range. And so she'll just go, oh, this kind of between these ages are the ideal for me. That doesn't mean that, so, so a woman might be 32, she might say, well, any bloke up to 40. That doesn't mean if she more met a 42-year-old guy in a, in a bar or at a social party and he was really great, that she wouldn't be totally fine with his age. It just means, well, this is the ideal age range. And that means that a lot of women just, because obviously we just go, well, 40, okay, I guess that's the cutoff. Or we go 35, I guess that's the cutoff. It's just where we think a cutoff ought yeah. to be, right? So once you hit those ages, you notice a drop just because it becomes the arbitrary cutoff they have to give Tinder. Okay, that's interesting. The, 
you've, you've answered my next question in that I've, I've got a mate, good-looking operator, does very well with women, not uncommon. He, he's in his 40s for him to leave a bar with a 20-year-old girl. He's doing well on online dating, but he's not meeting those women. So basically those women are simply not seeing his profile in the first place, either to swipe left or right, or if they are, they're going 40-something, you know, no yeah. way. So that's what's happening, right? So what's is there a, uh, is there a way around that? Yeah, there is. And I don't think this is immoral, but you can make your own mind up. What I okay. get guys to do, and this works on Tinder, it doesn't work as well on Hinge and Bumble because you don't have the option. See, on these apps, what you can do is you can hide your age. And so oh. what I get guys to do is tell Tinder that they are below the threat. So if you're 42, I'd say tell Tinder you're 37, but hide your age so that you're not lying to the women. So you'll come oh. in, you'll enter into their searches. And at some point in conversation, they'll say, by the way, how old are you? Or, you know, that comes up, you, you tell the truth. And it's really rare the woman says, wait up, my upper maximum was 40. How come you're a match? It almost never sure. happens because it tends okay, to be. Okay, so she said she doesn't remember doing that or it's just the way, yeah, okay. Yeah, or she's not particularly fast. And if she is fast, well, then the conversation can end. It's not about lying to women. It's more lying to the system so that you, um, you know, still get through that, I guess, arbitrary block that wouldn't be there in real life. You know, okay. obviously, so, you know, there is an age. Most women don't want to necessarily date men too much older. Some will. But plenty don't. But yeah, it's it's much narrower on online. Okay, so and you can do that on Tinder, but not the other two, did you say? Yeah, that's correct. You can't put those. Okay. You can't so that it. that specific hacked folks is for Tinder only. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Beautiful. All right, we're going to take our first break on the Dadboard Project podcast. When we come back, we're going to ask Damien what women are actually looking for. We're going to find out. He's got the answer. We're finally going to solve it. The Dadbot Project Podcast. The Dadbot Project is here to help educate and inspire Aussie blokes to reclaim their physical and mental strength. The Dadbot Project Podcast, episode four, with Damien Dico, online dating and dating coach, founder of School of Attraction. A lot of great stuff here already, mate. I want to ask you, in terms of real world dating, what are the, you know, are there tips and tricks in the the modern world that that should be taking with Yeah, I think I think I think just as I answer that question, I want to remove the idea of tricks. Uh, I think I okay. think the world of dating has been too inundated with the idea of tricks and and yeah, trying to trick people dating. And I think that especially since you say in, in the in the current environment that we're in, women have become a lot less. Um, accepting of tricks or anything that guys are trying to use, right? Everyone's come a lot yeah. more aware. Okay, what are the strategies trying to people are trying to use to trick? And what works alarmingly well that a lot of men would be surprised about, I think the men listening is, for example, I might have a guy talk to a woman and if he's feeling nervous or a little bit anxious to literally verbalize that, by the way, feeling a little bit nervous right now because wow. I think you're kind of cool chick. You'll be amazed that that works. A lot of men think you have to be uber confident, right? And for some sure. men, being confident works. That's part of their shtick. That's part of who they are. Yeah. But if that's not you, that's not the strategy you should be copying. Women are amazingly friendly. Most women, the only women who want to date the most confident man in the room is generally the most confident woman in the world. Um, a little bit of what I call vulnerability, that is, mm. um, you know, vocalizing something that like an insecurity or that could be a negative, but in a way that you're owning it. Right. Hey, I feel a little bit nervous and insecure right now, but yeah, I kind of forget what I'm going to say, but I think you're really cute. Anyway, you know, and you keep talking, right? That kind of thing is surprisingly effective. 
Um, you know, for a lot of guys, I'm sure of your listeners, plenty of them aren't the most confident guy. Some will be, but those who aren't, it's actually okay to own that. I think that's one of the big ones that people are surprised by when it comes to the dating stuff. I think another one that not enough guys do is men often look for, for, they try to make everything an agreement. You know, would you like to go on a date with me? Would you like to grab a coffee? Hey, let's, would you, how do you feel about going to this place to get something to eat? One thing that I think a lot of more men need to be willing to do is say, this is what I want. And let her say, I don't want to do that. You know, like, you know what? I want to go grab something to eat and let her say, no, I don't want to go. You know, I feel like pizza. Let's go get, um, women really, they appreciate the experience of, I often say to men, you know, if a woman woke up on a day and said, today is your day, we're going to do anything you want to do in the whole world. That for a guy, that would be a great day to wake up to. For many women, and this isn't all, this isn't just a generalization, but it's a, it's a good one. For a lot of women, if they woke up and their partner said, sweetheart, you don't have to think about anything today. I've planned your whole day for you. It's your day and I've planned it all. That would be their general preference, right? And you're, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're allowing her to just go with a flow. And if she doesn't want to go with that flow, she can say, stop. But it's a really, for women, that's a really pleasurable experience. And for something a little less esoteric, since you kind of, I think you asked for three things, the last one would be oh. on a date, share food. Go oh, somewhere okay. where you can share food. There's something very primal about man, woman sharing food together. You're touching the same food. You, you're part of that same dynamic that is very intimate in a non-creepy, weird way. It creates a lot of yes. people. All right, so just go and get some dim sims and then just sit at that. (laughs) Look, that's really interesting. It's You know, your first one there is about own your vulnerability and and certainly in a lot of the male-related conversations we're having now, Mm. you know, that's really the buzzword or the buzz concept is that if Mm. you are vulnerable, you can tell your partner, tell them your mates, and in this case, tell your date. So that's Mm. that's quite interesting. And, yeah, and in terms of... um, I guess in that second point, the onus then is on men to be a little more organised in terms of what they want to do because a lot of blokes are probably yeah. not. A lot of blokes are like, oh, well, I haven't actually thought of anything. You know? Yeah, well, I tell guys, so, know what you want to do on the date beforehand. Like have it planned yeah. in your head a little bit. Yeah, okay. Great point. All right. The male self-esteem epidemic, Damien, that is your term. What's that yep. mean? Yeah. One thing that I've, because I've been coaching for, 12 years now i've been around single men in that sort of arena for 14 years now 15 years and one thing that i've seen that existed back then but has gotten worse is there are more and more men especially younger men but older men too who are feeling disenfranchised by the society we live in they're feeling not heard they're feeling like uh, there's almost a conspiracy against men Um, um and certainly there are some ways in which the world is not fair towards men um, just like there are some ways the world is not fair towards women, but men are feeling that, but they're feeling the problem for men is there's often no voice. Men often don't have other men to talk to from a very young age. We don't have that dynamic of sharing something that you're feeling that's deeper than hungry or horny, you know? And, mm. and so we don't get that ability to start to talk, to be heard by someone. And a lot of men miss that. And for self-esteem, that's really critical because if you feel like you're alone, if you feel like the world's against you and you've got no way to talk about it, because talking with people makes us less neurotic. Um, If we're all alone, mostly, we become quite neurotic because the only thoughts we have are the ones that happen on our head and whatever extremes live there expand out. So we need that. 
And so there, yeah, I'm seeing a lot more and more, a lot of really angry and it comes out as anger because the frustration builds up, you know, I'm not saying angry is in, they should be ashamed that they're angry. I get it. They're frustrated. They're, they, they feel alone and I'm seeing it more and more. And, and I'm concerned because those men will do harm to themselves and others without meaning to, they're just trying to work this stuff out. Yeah. That's interesting. What's, oh, I mean, look, and again, I guess it highlights why we put mm. things like the Dadwood Project together because, you know, you say feeling disenfranchised is one thing, but also not having uh, just, it, it's one thing to feel disenfranchised. It's then to compound that by the fact that it feels like no one is aware of it or cares about it. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, like you say, it's potentially really dangerous thing and that's reflected in the really awful statistics that exist around men mm. in Australia in this demographic, which is... Um, you know, which is an epidemic unto itself. So what are the what are the solutions there? Is there a solution? You know, what do we do? There are. Uh, one thing that's cropped up, it's been around for a while, but especially the last 10, 15 years, has been men's groups, um, which is meant to be a space where men come together and get heard, hear each other, talk about stuff that's bothering them um, yeah. in a space where it's meant to be non-judgmental. Um, where people are there to hear and then potentially give you their thoughts, you know, their, their feedback um, from a place of, you know, I guess, non-judgment, non-shame, which is you know, a hard thing for men to find with some of their problems. Cause sometimes our problems are complicated and the world might want to make us feel ashamed about some of our problems. And that's no good. Mm. Shame fixes nothing. And so men's, men's groups are a big one. Um, the whole area of men's work, I think is very powerful. Um, you know, David Data and, and, and that whole field of, of area, I think, is, is great because it, it gives men a framework for this is some of what you're suffering with and this is where it comes from. And it's not bad and it's not wrong. <laughs> and, you know, that helped me a lot. But, yeah, men's groups, to, when it comes to how to do it, men's groups, that's, that's my best answer yeah. for what is available now. And there's not enough around, but almost every city that I've lived in and I've lived in quite a few has had at least one's men, one men's group around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You say like you, um, being able to feel how you feel and not have to apologize for that. That was sort of one mm. thing you just mentioned just there is that, you know, don't, um, don't apologize for what you want. Don't apologize yeah. for how you feel, you know, That's and huge. I think that there is a fair bit of that as far as men go mm. is that uh, I think a lot of men feel like they have to, they feel shit and, it's like you say, shame fixes nothing. So, you know, hopefully organisations like the one we've got here and, and others that are similar can at least help that, whether that's, you know, an online men's group or an Instagram page may at least go well, somewhere. That's actually true. I mean, like, you know, have, being able to listen to guys like you, talking with guys like me and other men that you guys are, is part of what will help men feel less alone. Yeah. When we return, we're going to find out what Damien says Maybe it's the one or two things that folks are fucking up when it comes to their dating that you can fix right here and now. And we're going to get, as usual, we'll get our tips as well. It's the Dad Bod Project podcast. This is the Dad Bod Project. The Dad Bod Project podcast. We've learned a lot today with Damien Deeker from the School of Attraction, schoolofattraction.com.au for blokes that want a bit of assistance when it comes to online dating. And I'm sure that'll be uh, an investment well worthwhile. I want to ask you, what are blokes getting wrong most often? Uh, well, you know what? To me, one of the big things is it's too easy to put all your focus in how do I get the cool chicks? How do I get the cool chicks? You know, what do I do here? We're recently single, you know, or decided I've been single too long and now I want to focus on women. And I think that 
more often we need to be putting more intention into how do I have the life that I want to have, the lifestyle that excites me? You know, do I have, do I have a life that bores me, right? Do, do I live an existence that's boring for me? Because if you've got that, women will feel at, at your core that you're a bored person right now. You, you, no one listening is a boring person. But if you don't have a life where you're doing things that you like, you don't have to love your job. Not everyone has that luxury. But if you have things going on that excite you, that will come through. When No matter what woman you talk to, she's going to see a guy who, who has things he's excited about. And women like that. Women are turned on by that. And that's it's good for both of you, you know, rather than constantly trying to approach, uh, yeah. hey, I want an amazing woman. Don't have much of a life to go to talk about, but I want an amazing woman in it, you know? Yeah. Look, what a really good point. Yeah in terms of where you're putting your focus. Mm. I was going to ask you what women really want. Is that what women want? Um, yeah. You know what, what? What I find most of the time is I think guys are not sure about women, what women want. I don't know that it's overly complicated. Most of the time, they want a guy who's, they don't need the most confident guy. They need a guy who's confident enough to go and say hello and, and say what he wants. That's a big one. They want a guy who who knows what he wants from his own life. In other words, he doesn't need to be rich, but he just has to have passion. You know, he's got to have a life that he likes. That's a big thing for women. Um, that gives him a sense of safety. Because if a man feels aimless, like, I don't know what I want from life. I'm, I'm confused. That's not that's not attractive or safe for a woman. Those are really the two big things. And then if you can make life fun from time to time, you know, if you take life too seriously, if you're too weighed down by everything that's going on, it's not a life that people want to be a part of. But if you've got those three things, you then become a man that has actually a decent amount to offer, more than a lot of men, surprisingly. Damien, you talk about, you know, blokes that are disenfranchised. What is the, um, what's the thing that blokes who are feeling like that need to be wary of, do you think? I think one of the most dangerous things is that misery loves company is the saying. And it's true when we're struggling with something, we certainly, we want to feel like we're not alone. And sometimes what happens is if you're feeling really disenfranchised, you'll seek to be surrounded by other men who feel the same way. And while there's certainly nothing wrong with trying to find other people who, who understand your suffering, I think that's that's normal and human and there's nothing wrong with that. There exist certain communities that are filled with men who are upset, not just upset and disenfranchised, they're angry. And it borders into the toxic, you know, toxic reaction to pain. And those pit, those little holes of those communities exist around whether it's YouTube or, or podcasts or um, blogs, online blogs, uh, message boards, things like that. Be wary of getting too far down those rabbit holes. Um, the world, it's not that there aren't bad things that happen for men. There are certainly, I'm sure you've talked about it in the past, but there are certainly some areas where men get the raw end of the deal, but it is not a conspiracy against men. The world has good men and good women in it. And if you get too far down that hole, you can end up being surrounded by people who truly believe there's nothing good in the world for you. And, and that that's mm. a really dark place. And I've known a lot of men who have ended up there and they always leave eventually, but they can be stuck there for years. And it's just not a nice place to be. And I'm guessing with the nature of social media, that's probably pretty easy to do, isn't it? Because, yes. you know, when you say misery loves company, well, whether it be through the, what the algorithms are presenting you with, if you've been clicking on that a few times already, like it's a really... It's gee whiz, I reckon that's really easy. It's real easy, real easy. So you know, try to try to find people who understand the pain, but also aren't negative about the the current situation of the world. I think is is a good way to put it. So you've got some balance. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, and that it, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, you know, we we come from an entertainment background. Everyone that we work with has been had their businesses wiped out by COVID completely, mm-hmm. and so I found that really interesting in terms of finding that balance because there are some things that have happened to us, you know, and we are victims in that way. Some things that have happened to us that no one else understands, and that you need those sounding boards. But at the same time, you also need some cats in amongst that that have a sense of proactivity and positivity and optimism to make sure that you don't get too stuck in that the world's against me mentality. Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing valuable comes out when you do something just from a place of pain. It's got to be from a place of inspiration, passion, drive. You know, if it just comes from pain, you're not going to get a good outcome. Yeah. All right. When we do these podcasts, we always ask our guests for a tip around the diet, mental health, training, whatever their field of expertise. What's your mental health tip for our blokes today? Uh, for me, the biggest one is friends. Not just having them, but quality of friends too. I think the quality of the, the, the people you're surrounded by, men and women, like the friendship level men and women in your life, they will define how you interpret the world around you. They represent how you cope with stress and how you cope with things that go wrongly in your life. Um, they will help you recover from anything that happens. And I think that having high quality friends is being for me and most people I know one of the biggest things of just improving your overall how good you feel in the world you're moving yeah. around in. Schoolofattraction.com.au. And if you want to check out YouTube, he's got thousands and thousands of subscribers, does Damien, and some really interesting uh, tips on. Tricks is the wrong word. You're right. It was the wrong adjective. It was more about um, in reference to the algorithms rather than tricking them themselves. But uh, again, a couple of really, really good points there. Damien, thank you for joining us on the Dadbot Project podcast. Thanks again for having me, guys.